This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards. If you're looking to unload your collection and maybe turn some of that old cardboard into cash, Greg Morris can help. Greg's always buying collections of vintage basketball, baseball, football, or hockey cards. And if you have modern or ultra-modern graded cards, he'll buy those as well. On top of all that, Greg takes cards on consignment. Go to gregmorriscards.com to sell them your cards, or you can email joe at gregmorriscards.com directly. What's up, everyone? This is episode 137 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, um, I want to thank you guys for all of the feedback that I got for last week's episode. And I've got a few updates that pertain to those topics, so I figure that's as good a place to start as any. Uh, First off, I got a lot of feedback on the altered Kawhi RPA that I talked about, which has now been decertified by PSA. And most of the feedback that I've received has been good. I mentioned PSA. Uh, They even unblocked me on Twitter, which was nice. I got to share my RPA tracker with them again even though I've already shared it with Steve Sloan in October of 2019, but um, I feel a little more confident that they might be referring to that now. And like I said, most of the feedback was good, although there was one YouTube comment um, that claimed, this dude getting no chicks at all with this type of time on his hands to track all of those cards. He got me. But my guess is that Mrs. Wax Museum my wife has ripped more prism than he has in all seriousness though that Kawhi discovery has taken on a new life of its own and it appears to be the latest in a long line of questionable actions from a notorious hobby scammer and a lot of that older information is housed on the blowout forums i can't emphasize enough how much we still need to be using platforms like that and um It looks like some of the people that have been scammed in the past might be getting some cards back, so that's good to hear. Um, If you'd like to hear more info on that, you can check out CardPorn's Instagram. They reposted some of my original information and then took the reins from there. They've been pretty vigilant over the last week in making sure that this scammer is brought to light. A lot of good information has been posted on Instagram. I know they've got it saved as a story or archived as a story, which will help catalog it for a little bit. But I'd like to see this information get compiled on Blowout for the future, because if someone searches a username or an eBay handle on Google, it's not going to produce any of that info from Instagram. And you know what? That falls in line with what I closed with last week when I talked about preserving hobby information and preserving hobby history. We need to be thinking more long term. Those of you that listened to that episode might remember that I also asked you guys what you thought we could do to do a better job with this. And several of you suggested that we archive old publications, mainly Beckett Magazine. I told you I would try to look into that. So I emailed Dr. Beckett to see if he had any leads. And he said, I don't have the rights to that. My acquirers own the commercial use of all that intellectual property. 
I'm not sure what their position is. Um, you know, and, and that's about what I expected. So that's fine. But I, I figured it might be a start. So I then reached out to Beckett Media via their contact form. I haven't heard back yet. I don't expect I'll have much success that way. But you know what? It's it's I'm trying to make some progress here. So maybe there's someone listening today that's a little better connected than I am. I'd love to get your help with this. And I definitely want to keep this conversation going. Okay. Um, on to the mail. And I'd say the mail has slowed down a little lately. It seems like PC cards either come up for sale in batches or they don't come up at all. But I did have one mail day that was very enjoyable. So a little over a year ago, a friend reached out to me to see if I had any cards I wanted to send a PSA. And I've only graded cards once or twice now. And I've never sent more than one card to PSA and even then, that was through someone else. So I kind of hemmed and hawed for a little bit, and he messaged me again and said, look, I'm doing a bulk order. I just need 10 to 12 cards. It's going to be like $10 a piece. You clean them off and send them to me, and I'll do the rest. So all in all, it, it was pretty low effort on my part. I sent him a nice little mix of vintage and modern. I really didn't care much about the grades. Uh, it was just unique stuff that I thought I could move or PC stuff that I wanted slabbed. Well, that was a little over a year ago and they finally came back and I did a reveal on my YouTube channel. Um, I did a lot better than I expected. Maybe I'm just a really tough grader, but for example, there was a Barkley rookie that I thought would get a seven. It got an eight. There was a, a 72 Kareem that I thought might grade a little lower. It ended up getting a seven. I had a Westbrook Finest XRC uh, that ended up getting a 10 and the list goes on and, you know, going through these one at a time and making predictions and then revealing the grade, it was really a lot of fun. So I could see how that could get a little addicting at that old price point at least. But um, anyway, I won't spoil all the grades for you just in case you want to watch the video. But like I said, I was pleasantly surprised. All right. Before I move into today's conversation with Evan, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hey, this is Bob Nettleke, former Indiana Pacer. Played on a few championship teams, had a lot of fun. You know, I'm listening to the Wax Museum Podcast, one of the best there is. Okay, joining me today is someone you've heard on this show a couple times before. It's been a while since I've checked, but I believe our last episode together, which is episode 89, is my most downloaded episode of all time. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about status. We talked a little bit about Panini inserts. So it's a testament to the inserts, but I think also to my guest today and his approach to collecting. So uh, the people have spoken, and I thought it'd be a good time to bring Evan, aka Geech Quest cards on again. So before we get into all of the stuff and all the inserts and all that fun stuff again, Evan, how's it going? It is going it just clicked in my head. The last time we talked, it was Veterans Day and today's Columbus Day. Well, there you have it. So apparently I have a knack for 
That was a Monday too, right? I'm hitting you on the Monday holidays. I guess so. Yeah, it works. So Labor Day, let's schedule it right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, I'll invite you to my July 4th uh, barbecue if you want to come. Why not? It, it, we'll see. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. there have been a lot of, of news stories in the hobby since we last chatted. So the biggest thing uh, would be the Fanatics takeover. So I've stayed away from any kind of major speculation surrounding that deal. We are, however, learning more and more details with each passing week. Um, as I talked about on last week's episode, Michael Rubin has indicated that they might want to take over multiple components of the hobby, from manufacturing to distribution and maybe even grading. So I want to ask you, what do, what do you think about this takeover? And, and what do you think about one company having all of this power in the hobby? People may not like it, but I'm, I'm personally excited for it. Okay. And, and I had, I've told people just in, in prior conversations and collector's universe was bought. I actually thought collector's universe was going to go this way. Like PSA wasn't just going to be a grading company. It was going to hold all the cards in the hobby. Fanatics bigger fanatics took it over. I'm kind of torn is you never want the biggest gripe about Panini and cards in general is the monopolization of it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's not monopolized springs uh, a myriad of inefficiencies throughout the hobby. So I, I don't know. I, I, I tend to always try to take the optimistic approach that Fanatic's a big business with big financial backing and has put up a lot of money to acquire all these things. The optimism in me goes, someone with a lot of money and a lot of skin in the game is going to want to do it right. right. So I'm kind of I'm taking that approach. People hate Amazon. But I'm the only person I know who's never bought anything on Amazon. But I hear everybody everybody hates Amazon, but everybody uses them. And and everybody loves the service. Everybody has a Prime membership. All my friends ask me, am I watching that show on Prime? No, I'm not. I don't have Prime. I, I don't do it. But like there, there is value to that. As it pertains to the hobby, I'm going to be optimistic and going, I see positives of what big business can do. Hopefully, fanatics can do some of these things that I'd like to see them do. Yeah, I know. I've talked about it in a a previous episode. Actually, it was before all of this even came out. It was basically all the the unworn relics sparked all this where I said, you know, it's time for Panini to to lose the license. Um, And and part of that was just me being facetious, but... You know, it is the prospect of change is is a little interesting. However, change for change sake isn't always a good thing. So, like you said, it, it kind of just depends on what they do with it. But uh, the potential's there. There's a lot of resources, like you said, a lot of resources, a lot of things could happen. And and maybe you know, who knows if Panini could somehow end up being a part of this. There's just so many unknowns still at play. Right. I mean, it's always everything in life is a double edged sword. It's not black and white. Everything's a mixture of gray. And so I, I see what Panini has done to flawless football, for example, where they're putting Mitchell and Nash jerseys in the relics, which is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Um, and I was like, please, not, not basketball, not basketball. I assume we're going to get like, we don't know where this patch came from, flawless patches this year, which was the one mm-hmm. good thing holding up flawless. So I'm like, okay, well, if we put it in Fanatic's hands, it doesn't mean Fanatic's won't do the same thing, right? But I, I know Panini, at least for the stuff I enjoy about the hobby, Panini seems to be going away from some of the stuff that I enjoy, maybe in a company with better resources to 
do some of the things that I would like to see personally, maybe they'll do it. I'm not going to dog fanatics because I'm like, oh man, this is big business. This is just squashing out the little guy. You, you just, you never really know. I think it'll probably end up more positive for the way I do the hobby. And even, you know, when, when Panini took control, they had the monopoly. Um, I mean, there was just a very short time at the end where, you know, all three had cards in the 09, uh, 10 year, but um, they had the monopoly. And even with that being said, they didn't have um, the basketball lineage. So they were really, you know, trying new things. They were courting collectors and there was a lot of great stuff that came as a result of that. Now, I feel like it took them a few years to get their footing. And part of that, you know, we had a lockout in that time frame, So they had to acquire materials. They had to kind of get an understanding of what they were doing. But even with no competition at that time, they were trying to get the, the um, approval of collectors. And a lot of good things came from that. In fact, I, you know, stuff that I took for granted at the time. And now that that stuff is not happening, kind of like you indicated, um, I really feel like, man, those were at least for a, a patch collector like myself, those were the glory days of Panini. Yeah, I've thought a lot of it since the announcement and I, probably just in the past like year, year and a half of collecting in general, kind of weaving to where, you know, always weaving with the times going like, you know, you, you appreciate stuff. You always appreciate it in hindsight. Um, it's easy to hate change, but I'm just hopeful that the money getting thrown the company that Fanatics is, if people don't know, I think they're like, I think they are the biggest memorabilia dealer in the country. So like mm -hmm. they have the connections, they have the memorabilia. They don't have to foster these connections like uh, Panini or other companies do. Fanatics already has that in place. And so I'm hoping like, okay, could, could we do, I, I've heard people speculate, like, could we do away with sticker autos? Sure. That's a real possibility. Could we get some insane patches? Like, well, Fanatics definitely has the memorabilia. Mm -hmm. So sure we could. And then I, I think the thing you brought up that I'm really looking forward to is when Fanatics comes in a couple of years, they're going to have to court everybody the same way Panini had to. And I had the same mm -hmm. thought is if they just drop the ball out the gate, it's not like I'm leaving the hobby. I have a hundred years of cards to choose from at that point. Mm -hmm. At that point, I have about 150. So if I don't have Fanatics cards in my collection, that's okay. But if Fanatics comes out and just puts out some amazing stuff, which they definitely have the resources to do, then I'll also just have Fanatics cards in my collection. The same way I have Panini, I, I showed you the press pass before we started. You know, I have different cards from different companies. Certain things resonate, certain things don't. Like, that's okay. Yeah, and, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, approaches to collecting recently. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a little bit here, but I will say, you know, something you talked about, you have 150 years or whatever to go back to. Um, I, I've kind of found myself doing that, not necessarily because of where Panini's going, but for a while where the hobby was going, where, you, you know, it was hard to find anything. We all know during the pandemic, it just the whole hobby changed and it, it did force me to look back at other stuff. And I started appreciating refractors more and, and I could still buy Panini stuff, but I, I had to be selective. And uh, that was a good thing because it, it meant that I was buying less junk. You know, I was buying pace, certain, very specific Pacers cards, like the status parallels and stuff that I appreciated. And um, it kind of refined my taste. It forced me to, but um, I think that was a good thing. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the exact same way as like, uh, just the way things have gone probably in the past year or so in the hobby. 
it's forced me to do what I should have done when I got back in 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Like I mm -hmm. should have had the hyper focus that I currently have, uh, the lack of FOMO that I currently have. I should have had that from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Anytime I talk to someone who's recently got in, I know it's when you first see it, it's super exciting. I probably sound like get off my lawn guy. It's, it's still like the most exciting thing of my week. I just, I love the hobby, but you know, that the excitement wears off and then it's like, oh, everything, people that I looked up to a decade ago that were telling me like, oh, now this is clicking. Now this is clicking. So maybe that fanatics move for up for it, that will be like the turning point for some of the people that have got in, in the past year is mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, I don't really care for this fanatics or I really like this fanatics, you know, we'll, just, just wait and see. I'm, I'm definitely optimistic. I've, I see people online. They're just like, I hate it. I hate it. How can you hate something that hasn't even, hasn't even happened yet? Yeah. You don't even know anything about it. I, that's why yeah. I've been, I've been really hesitant to even talk about it. Um, just because it's like, we, we could spend 30 or 40 minutes uh, speculating on something and then tomorrow it could be cleared up. So, you yeah. know, who wants to do that? Yeah. It, it reminds me of the people who are like, okay, I know one day the sun is going to go out. The sun's going to go supernova. I know it's going to happen. It could be tomorrow. It could be 20 million years. Who knows? Like, but I'm not going to sit there and ruminate and speculate when it's going to happen. Just, yeah, it happens. It happens. Roll with it then. Same thing with fanatics. Like, okay, I know this is happening. It's not happening tomorrow. And I don't even know the ramifications of it. And no matter what the ramifications are, it's not like I'm going to leave the hobby. And, and chances are we'll probably outlast fanatics. Um, that's not to say, you know, I know tops had a good 70 year run with baseball, but, um, I think we'll probably outlast fanatics, or at least I'd like to think I would, I, I'm not immortal, but, uh, I'd like to think that I will. So anyway, though, we have a few years before all that comes to be, I don't know the exact time frame. I keep hearing different dates, but in the meantime, we are stuck with Panini and, and whatever they have in store for us or, or blessed, depending on how you look at it. There are some things that I do like that they're doing. Um, I know we've chatted inserts on here a couple times before, but um, a lot of people have messaged me. They refer to you as the insert guy. So I have to ask about inserts while I have you here. And we're already well into the preseason for the 2021 season. Uh, but I think we still have something like eight to 10 releases left for the 2020 product run, uh, which I don't, I can't wrap my head around that. I have no idea what's going on, but um, we, you and I haven't been able to chat about the 2020-21 product lineup yet. Have you been following inserts? Not really. Uh, no. The wax this year and just the release schedule has made it almost impossible to follow. Mm -hmm. for, for me, I couldn't even tell you what sets are left. To be. I know Flawless is coming. I don't think Immaculate's released yet, but maybe it has. No, it hasn't. That's actually one of the products I look forward to. Same, but I like the NT release this year. I always look forward to NT. I don't own any cards. That's just, it's almost like a card holiday. The it is. breakers mm -hmm. are just busting cases after cases. And this year I didn't watch a break and uh, I don't even feel like there were that many breaks. Like, no, I, I don't think there was. Well, and even, I, I know this is going to sound horrible. I don't want to, revel in other people's misfortune but um a couple of years ago i i watched partially just to just to see the carnage of of all these buy-ins of people getting like goga bataze rpas 
there were, there was a little bit of joy when that happened when I was watching. So I didn't feel that this year. Maybe it wore off, or you know, like, like you said, I don't think it was being busted as much. Yeah, and I think I feel like that's uh, the way across everything this year. Uh, Court Kings typically has. I, I love Court Kings. I, I liked it better in the old configuration, but I still I, like it. I was going to say even cards. still. No, I like the. I, I've had this conversation with others. I liked it better the the older iterations. I think it was 2017 when they flipped and no more Art Nouveau patches and stuff. They went away from all that. But was, I generally I think 20 I, yeah 2018 okay. because I was saving up for an Aaron Holiday letter that didn't exist. I mm. wish 2017 didn't exist because I bought a TJ Leaf letter for like a hundred dollars. Oh no, it happens. See, the, the problem was there were there were UCLA guys I was competing against. And it's like, no, I like I always buy Court Kings letters of Pacers. So even though they are photo shooting all that stuff, I that was my thing. So anyway, I don't have to worry about that anymore. But I, I'm so I'm pulling up because I'm telling you I haven't seen the inserts. Now I'm looking at it. I, oh, okay. Court Kings was out. I did see the inserts. It's just it was the Aurora insert again. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. I've seen that for years now. Like, can you really do much more with it? Maybe, maybe not. Didn't care. I did see the kabooms came out. Obviously, everybody loves the kaboom. Like, cool. I've been seeing it almost for a decade now. I did see, I, I completely forgot the snow globes out of Crown Royal. Yes. They're, they're cards. <laughs> uh, we're in the same spot that we were at two, three years ago. Yeah. So you mentioned the fact um, that everyone loves kaboom it's really um have you been surprised by the momentum that they've been gaining recently um you know i know we've talked a little bit about kabooms before and and kind of the originals and how those were special what do you think of this recent surge yeah i mean i i, I don't own any if i owned them i would be selling them right now that's just me they're hyped to the gills for me is this worth it no mm -hmm. it's not it's gone it's not something that i won't get again down the road if i want to even if I have to pay more down the road, you know, with me, the card thing has always been like, can I acquire it down the road? If I can, even if I have to pay more for it down the road, that's okay. Cause in the interim, I can always make more money. The one thing I can't mm -hmm. get with certain cards is I can never get them back. There are certain right. cards. If they go, they, they do not come back. The kabooms are not one of those cards. They're just not, I'll get it back. I was trying to explain that to someone this weekend at a card show there are some cards that I've spent a lot of time tracking down and they're not always valuable cards. Sometimes they are, but I spent a lot of time tracking them down. Whereas, you know, I can sign up to be a coach of a team at, at work, or I can, you know, I can, I can do after school grade recovery. I can do something to earn more money, but I can't right. pick up those extra hours to find rare cards. Right. So, so it's, it's not to say that making money is easy, but um, money in a lot of cases is more available than some of these rare assets. And I think a lot of people are starting to figure that out, um, you know, better yes. late than never for a lot of people. And, and I know it, it, it has become more clear to me, even though I'd always heard that too, the more you experience it, the more it really sinks in. Okay. So let's kind of shift then into your current approach, because we talked about inserts and um, I, I know your legions and legions of insert followers were, were hoping you would give them um, some morsels to, to hang on to here, but um, maybe we'll learn some more through your approach. Well, and when the season's over, I will go back through. 
I, I just realized, like I said, I've seen, I've seen the snow globes. I've seen some stuff. It, it's, it's repeat. I will redo that list on blowout the top 20 and, you know, I'll update it for the, the new season. Okay. We got all these products in the book. Let me go through, check them out. When I made the list, it's not like I was going through in real time, putting the 2009 stargazing up there. I, I looked at that eight years. I looked at, into the past. So I'll do it again this year, just from kind of what I've seen out the corner of my eye. There has been nothing that has come out that I haven't seen before. So nothing's going to crack that top 20. So I really just, it's just meh. Right. So those of you that are listening, if there is something that we're missing, because I don't know either, I don't bust a lot of new products. If there is something new that's come out uh, that's worthwhile, reach out to Evan. um, And I'm sure it's definitely something he would consider. Um, All right. So let's talk about your current approach to collecting. We messaged a little this weekend and um, you, you'd mentioned, we didn't go into details, but you've mentioned that you've kind of consolidated and you've changed some stuff. Talk me through this. Talk me through where you're at. What have your last couple months in the hobby looked like? Last couple months, I think I've purchased maybe two or three cards in the past couple months. I think I've spent maybe 20 or $30 on these two or three cards. I haven't spent much. And what I've, I've been slowly trying to consolidate those pelican cases that all the cool kids walk around with mm-hmm. the card shows. Yes. I feel left out and I'm like, damn it. I want one of those cases. I want to be able to store a handful of cards and, and kind of grow out. So a lot of my collecting Kyle, how I've ended up with a lot of the stuff I have is I would hunt. You do it too. Like, well, look for lots, right? Cause I want value. Mm-hmm. I always want value. I'm just that that's just who I am. So I would look for lots and the lot has to have, if I'm buying it, it has to have one card I want. And then mm-hmm. I don't really care at that point, kind of do some math in my head. It's like, okay, I'm getting value here. So if I'm picking up a lot for $1,000 where there's a card in it, I would have paid 300 And I think I can extract like $700 with a little bit of work out of it to, to just get the card I want that I was looking for, I'll do it. And so some of my cards I've acquired that way is like, I'll pick up multiples at a time. But that leaves me with a bunch of cards. And it's a bunch mm-hmm. of cards I, I didn't really want in the first place. It's like uh, they were means to an end to get the card I wanted. So I've really just been going through going like, all right, in my head, I don't own a Pelican case. I want one. I really want one. I, I, I want a case to store my cards. I want better card storage. So there's different ways I can enjoy the hobby. And one thing is like being organized. You got to go to, um, and, and I'm not affiliated with them kind of the the starter uh, beginner version is at Harbor Freight. I don't know if you have that store around you. Not only do I have a Harbor Freight around me, I have a Harbor Freight case. Look, I, I know people can't see. I've got my Harbor Freight case. It's too big. It's too big. It holds too much. It holds too much stuff. I don't want the Harbor Freight anymore. I want 30 cards, 30 to 50 cards. Okay. Like that will be meaningful at that time. And then what I want to do is I want to just rotate out my cards. So okay. that's kind of the approach I've taken. I've probably, man, I, I never sell, but I've sold so, I just sold so many cards recently. In, in July, Kyle, I took one of the fun things I did to help kind of consolidate is I was like, I'm going to go drive out. I was headed, I was actually headed to Clearwater from Austin to Clearwater. And I drove across the Southern United States. And I'm like, I'm going to flip cards. I'm going to hit every card shop I can on the way. I'll stop at Mealy Pops' Mecca there in Gainesville. That'll be my like final card destination and I'll flip my way and hopefully I can find some gems or whatever. So, I mean, 
I didn't get that far because it's a long drive from Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Stopped in like Besson, but I hit a ton of card stores and I would pick up things. I would trade with some of these owners to build like lots to sell to fund the next leg of my trip. I kind of did that to slowly consolidate my collection. And then through doing that, I met a few dealers who were just like, hey, whatever you want to sell. Because I, I told them like, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm consolidating. I'm getting down to like 30 cards. Like, hey, we'll just shoot me a message and I'll cash you out of these cards. So I'm kind of building a, a war chest to go after some of the stuff I want, kind of diversifying myself. I felt really uncomfortable after COVID too. This is just personally that I had so much of my net worth tied up into cards. When it was when my foray into the hobby was never meant to be that, it just mm-hmm. somewhat turned out that way. And so I've talked to right. other talked to some of my other friends. And it's been like I almost felt uncomfortable having so much money in uh, basketball cards and not as much money in like other investment vehicles, mutual funds, ETFs, like safe stuff. You know, uh, thanks probably some of the past year, whatever. I know people love cards they think of cards as investment vehicles and in some instances they can be that they just never were that for me so some of the stuff i had hit prices where it just felt uncomfortable to even have them at that point Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense it does make sense i just had clutter okay so now i'm i guess i like clutter although there is a part of me that wonders um what it would be like to consolidate although i i my fear is, you know, you won't fully know until you do it. And I don't think I want to get to that point because I like having boxes. I like digging. I like going through stuff. Don't you like digging through boxes? What was it that finally flipped that switch for you? So what I used to do years ago, when, when wax was affordable, I would bust, I would bust cases of it because it, mm-hmm. it was cheap, relatively cheap and go through stuff. And I would have just end up with stacks of cards that were meaningless I busted so much 2015 revolution and of course now it's valuable, but it wasn't at the time. And I would just, I would literally give it away because like, I don't want this clutter. I'm such a minimalist Kyle. I have like one uh, double row box that I actually just sold last night. I'm like, fine, this will go. This, it was just all the kind of stuff I'd accumulated over the years. I'm like, I'm going to get down. So I'll have the Pelican. I'll have a Z folio. I have two. I'm get, cutting down to one. And then inevitably I'll start this journey over. And then in three years, if you talk to me, you'll be like, Hey, how's your uh, consolidating going? I'm going to be like, Kyle, damn it. You don't understand, man. I went to Maryland and I bought 1.5 million cards because there was a LeBron Jersey number card in there that I had to have, but I had to take all 1.5 million to help me sell this. So like, I'll repeat the cycle. Just, I think right now I'm more of the mindset, like the hobby shifted a little bit. So, you know, I kind of, I try, I'm shifting with the hobby. I have a daughter. She's three. So some of that, maybe some of the pressure I put on myself, I felt irresponsible having so much money tied into some of these cards. Not that I was spending so much, just like like everybody who's been doing it for a while, some of this stuff is just appreciated mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I told you I'd sell the Kabooms if I had them. And I, w- I would have sold them a year ago. So I wouldn't have even seen the appreciation. I mean, like, this is ridiculous. So I think some of it is that kind of maneuvering i'm a minimalist just shrink everything down have everything be more meaningful in the collection the wax museum rpas are never leaving and if i have if if i and i'm not kidding if i literally got down to 30 
well, two of the 30 are going to be the Wax Museum RPAs because those mean stuff to me. But like I had uh, an artist who draws for tops. He drew a picture of my daughter years ago. Like this is going to be one of my 30 or 50, however big of a pelican I decide to get. So that's just kind of the stuff I'm going to have. So you mentioned that the stuff is meaningful then, you know, th- those have meaning as friends or family, but what makes a, you know, a regular Panini card, what makes that meaningful to you at this point? So, I mean, obviously I've shown these since I just have it here. Oh, you can't see it. The, the, st- the status parallels that you and I have discussed. I don't know what it is about it. Those just mean something to me. And I think I said, it. I think I've told you, if I haven't told you, I've told other people is when I was buying those and when I was chasing them, I was, I was only chasing five players uh, and I wanted all the jersey numbered status parallels, LeBron 23, 23, all that. When I got them in, my daughter loves them because they're pink. So mm-hmm. not only do I like those cards for Panini, um, but my daughter loves them. And so it's like some of those cards, the values in them have gone up and they even some of the values on them, I'm like, oh, I think that's kind of silly, but whatever. But like, I can't get rid of those because one day I wanted to tell my daughter, hey, you don't remember this, but when you were two years old and I'd be messing around with these cards, like I still am now, these were the cards that you always grabbed. Oh, and by the way, to me, that was like Panini's best card of 2018. Kind of what I'm doing, Kyle, and my thought process behind this is like, I'm going to, I kind of want to go through, I, I haven't really thought it up, but there's a set every year be it like a set in total uh, with the status. I, I like all of the status stuff, but the status parallels in 2018, like that specific set just stands out to me above the rest. So I think what I'll do, I'll go and I'll be like, okay, well, what is the most meaningful card to me that year? Like if I could only get one card uh, this year, one card out of the 2020 products, what card am I going to get? I, I can only have one. And it, you know, it may take me a few buys and looking at stuff, but I think that's kind of what I'm going to do. And then maybe just grow the collection out from there. So I have like my 2018 card. I have my 2019 card. I'll look over the 2020 stuff. If I, if I see it, when it comes out, I'll, I'll, I'll just know when I see it. And if it changes down the road, I'll swap out and kind of replace that way. I like that approach. I think that's interesting. Um, I, I think that, you know, I'm big about kind of chronicling the history of the hobby and the sport. So I think that's a good way to go about doing that as well. Um, so hopefully, you know, fanatics will come out with something. I know people don't want fanatics branded cards, but I want something different from the start that just screams like this is the transition, something that I can use to mark. All right, here's where things changed and here's where things are going forward. Um, you know, who knows what that will look like? Who knows where our collections will take off. I'm excited to continue tracking yours and, and to see where yours will go. Evan, as always, it was a lot of fun talking to you today. As you know, I, I like to give my guests um, a chance to plug something they're working on or to talk about something at the end of every conversation. So go ahead. If you don't mind, give us your social media handles again and feel free to plug anything that you'd like. The floor is yours. The only social media I do, and I don't even do it, is Instagram. Instagram is Geech Quest Cards. I do the blowout forums. I'm Geech Quest and Blowout Land and that cesspool. If you reach out to me, you have a question, you just want to chat, I give my cell phone number. I'm not going to give it out right now because I'm not going to be inundated. But if you ever want to chat, everybody, everybody who ever talked to me has my cell phone. I'm like, it's easier to hit me on cell phone than through socials. And I'll talk cards with whoever wants to talk them. 
never leaving the hobby. So I'm not leaving it now, but that's it. I, I don't have anything to plug. All right. Well, we appreciate, uh, I speak for the, the listeners, I should say, and the people that are messaging me, we, we really appreciate hearing from you again. I'm happy to hear from you again. And as always, we'll stay in touch. Thanks, Evan. Thank you. All right. Well, there you have it. I want to thank Evan again for taking the time to talk with me. I know a number of people have reached out to me about his episodes. If you like hearing from him, you might shoot him a message and, and let him know. Um, or maybe there was something we talked about today that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or Twitter under the handle at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store, tag Taco Bell, and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.